Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me as always is my co-host and honorary member of the Rescue Aid Society, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? I'm doing great, Andy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, we have a returning champion. We do! Welcome back, <laughs> Storm. Stormwood. Hey, how's everybody doing? It's, it's good to see you. Good to be here. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm going to introduce you for just a minute, Storm. You're the director of the uh, award-winning independent feature, Paradise Recovered, in case you've forgotten that, and the uh, film production manager for a great nonprofit, Feed the Children, which is a great place if you want to uh, help kids who are in need of uh, food and resources. And of course, you're you're just a dear friend. Yep, thank, thank you. You're also a dear friend. Like, we've known each other Many years now. So we have. We quite really a, have. Quite a few years. Yeah. So it's good to be here. All right. Well, let's talk about some. Do you want to get into this, Larry? Well, so today's movie, we're doing yes. The Rescuers. Uh, I believe The Rescuers came out in 1979. Uh, 77. 77. So I was, I was maybe a less than a year old at that point. Uh, so, Andy, do you have key facts for us about The Rescuers? I do have key facts about the rescuers to sort of set the stage for us here. So it took a lot of development to get to what we finally know as the rescuers. Um, the rescuer series was written by a British author, Marjorie Sharp. It's actually nine separate novels. And the main protagonist is Miss Bianca, who's a little mouse who serves in the prisoner's aid society. And right after the publication of the second uh, book, which is entitled Miss Bianca, in the Rescuer series um, in 1962, Walt Disney Productions optioned and began adapting the story for animation. I mean, it's a story about mice. I mean, why not? It's like almost tailor-made for Disney. Um, the project was shelved because of its political overtones, um, be- but it was resurrected during the 1970s. Um, the reason it was shelved was there was a the core story is about a Norwegian poet that's falsely imprisoned in jail for speaking his mind. And so this time they kind of used the idea of a rescue society, but they called it actually the rescue aid society. They have Miss Bianca and her pal, Mr. Bernard, who then rescue a little girl kidnapped and held captive by jewel thieves. That is so fascinating. So this yeah. evolved from something that was about like the first amendment Right. And then no, that's that that that's part of the process. That that I did not know that. No, please yeah, continue. It, I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. It goes. It that's really it. Um, so the writers for the rescuers really are the animators who use this novel series as their initial blueprint, and then they move accordingly with storyboards. So you have four different directors to this uh, for this piece. And each of those four are um, responsible for different sequences. Um, so when we put it all together, that's how we get this. We don't really have a screenplay per se. We have a bunch of storyboards and things hashing out and working together. So this is really a film that animators made. Um, the Cruella DeVille actually was considered as the main antagonist but instead, she was replaced by a version of the original series Diamond Duchess. So it was called Diamond Duchess in the original series, but now her name is Madame Medusa. This, this and, is my favorite part here. This is my favorite part. <laughs> so animator Milk Call allegedly based Medusa after his ex-wife. And as such, he insisted on doing all of the animation himself. Um, I guess he didn't like her very much because Medusa is pretty awful. And his former wife, Phyllis, was actually a producer at Disney. And this was his last Disney project before retirement. Oh, but when wow. You- <laughs> so, and, and apparently when, you- when people would watch the movie, they would say, oh, God, it's her. Oh, God. <laughs> like, it was, it was she- very, very spot on. And she's really a gift to us because when you watch the movie or if you've seen it, you know, like, she is really a highlight. Her animation, like, the the detail her character is really like one of the best things about the movie i think so there is so much to unpack here i hope i hope we can come back to it when we talk about madame medusa for, for sure. sure i don't yeah. know how they would have made her cruella deville that that opens up a whole can of rights to the uh to the 101 dalmatians set mm-hmm. but wow yeah all right so so let's get into the movie 
Um, so as always, Storm, we open up our, our, our discussion of the movie by talking about the Manishtana, the why is this move, what movie opening here? Why is this the place where we choose to enter? Sometimes this is related to the inciting incident. Uh, other times it's not. And I think possibly in this case, it's not. We open on, we are in uh, the swamp. Penny, we see a young girl. We don't necessarily know that her name is Penny, but it's Penny. She is running away to escape. Uh, she throws a bottle into the water. And then then we be, that's where we begin. We begin with her and not with the rescuers. During the opening credits, instead of live action animation, we get a series of animated stills, which sort, sort of show that journey over time. And I'm wondering why you guys think we start here rather than with the rescuers. Well, I think we have to establish the problem, right? Um, and I think it sets up the dramatic question. I, I think the dramatic question is, you know, is, is this little girl going to be rescued? And in order for that to happen, we have to know that there's a problem. It starts with a thunderclap, right? It's a sinister sound. We, we see this boat. Clearly, uh, things aren't as they should be. And I feel like what, what Andy's like with, with what Andy's saying is like, we're supposed to immediately care about the fate of this child. I think the other thing that's part of this is it is going to be a while before we see Penny again, uh, because we are going to shift to the note. We're going to shift to the rescuers. And if we don't see her before they go on the journey, how do we possibly care? Right. Right. They need to right. get us invested in her right away. Uh, so then when we get to the mice who have never met her and have no relationship with her, uh, that we feel like, oh, hey, we do want you to go on this journey after all. She may be a stranger to you, but she's not a stranger to us. I think the beautiful part of this beginning is that we have messages in bottles, which, I mean, are always found in the movies. But if you're a little child, you may not know that. And so if you're a little child and you've ever put a message in a bottle and you think, oh, somebody's going to find this and nobody does, but this time it works, right? And, so there's and, magic. And maybe there's some cautionary uh, advice I can put give you here, which is some identifying information whatsoever for your rescuers to follow up on uh, could be particularly useful. A last name, a location uh, might, might help your rescuers move the story along at a little bit of a faster place. <laughs> Now, what what is the smudged out part though? That the note is smudged. No. To be fair to Penny, maybe there's some information in there that. Sure, sure, could be. Uh, let's give her the benefit of the doubt. And the crucial information was there, but that was the one spot that got wet. Uh, fair enough. I'll, I'll sustained, <laughs> sustained. So let's get into the plot proper. And I'm gonna I'm gonna point out a little bit, Andy, that this this plot baffles me. A little bit in terms okay. of structure. And right. one of the places where it baffles, baffles me is where are we in exposition? We're in exposition for a while, but where do we get to inciting incident? And inciting incident is the moment where the movie really takes off. Our characters are set on a course of action. Uh, we're, we're on the journey. We feel we feel like the adventure has really begun. And to use a classic example, The Wizard of Oz, there's a lot of stuff that happens early on in The Wizard of Oz in Kansas. But the inciting incident really is Dorothy arrives in Oz, right? Right. Once she's in Oz, she's on a path to get back to Kansas. And while there was a lot of conflict back in Kansas, that's not our story. Our story really begins at that point. And I'm looking at this particular movie, and I'm confused as to where the inciting incident is. So I'm going to say, and you can stop me when you, if you feel I passed the inciting incident. When we see this opening scene of Penny with the bottle before even the credit sequence begins, that is exposition. Right? Agreed. The Agreed. journey of the bottle is exposition. We mm -hmm. get to um, the airport where we see all of the mice from around the world gathering, that is also exposition. They have okay. the meeting. Uh, they start talking. That's exposition. 
Miss yep. Bianca arrives. They open up the bottle. They read the note. And it feels to me, by the way, you probably want to read the note before you fly all the mice in from around the world so you know it's not a coupon from Taco Bell that you gathered everybody to discuss. But we'll put that to the side. Well, I mean, I think the other mice who found it read the note and then, and then packaged put it, back it all in back. The wet, put it back in the wet bottle? They're mice. Then sealed it? <laughs> They're mice. Okay. We, we can't go down this. We can't go down this. I just They're not want... expert rescuers. They're doing what they can. Yeah, this is definitely, definitely no civil service test required for this position. But, so they've all, they've all gathered. They read the note. Where would you say the inciting incident of this movie begins? Well, if we're talking about inciting incident, I like to think about who our protagonist is, right? And I think our protagonist is Bernard. I would so agree I, with you. So I'm going to say, because Bernard's a doer, but he's also really afraid. And so, and Bianca loves adventure. She's almost playing an antagonist role here. I mean, she's completely extra. She's She loves adventure. Everybody loves her, right? But Bianca picks Bernard to go on this quest. Not the guy sitting behind the desk looking resolute, you know, in his country's costume or whatever. But she picks the guy with the broom in his hand. And I think that is her, that's the moment for Bernard where he, that's, he's, he, things, his life just completely changed. And, and I, I think that's the inciting incident. I think you're probably right. And if we're looking at the intention of the storytellers that, you know, Bianca and Bernard are on the case, they accept the mission that's, that should propel them forward into the story a bit more. Uh, but, but we still haven't left the primary part of this journey. So for me, like, so, so I think you're right. I just want to point out the action doesn't really ramp up after the inciting incident. Usually, like when we draw the line of the plot line, we have the inciting incident. We start seeing an angling up as the stakes start rising, things start happening. And Bernard and Bianca, they go to the orphanage. They gather some clues. Then well, they, they go, go to the... They 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 go hang out in the rain. They try to cut through the zoo. Like there's all these kind of fun little like... Okay, I'm, and I need to talk about this moment. They try to cut through the zoo, but end up not cutting through the zoo. Mm -hmm. So we're watching we're watching them like on a journey, but like, should I take a left or a right? They start to take a left, then they double back, and and then they take the right. Okay, whatever. Which is it? Which no, no, that is really important to this story. I've Okay. So there's a po there's a poster on the wall at the Rescue Aid Society that where you have a mouse pulling a thorn out of the lion's paw, right? Yes. And then and so in Bernard's if Bernard again if Bernard's the protagonist, he is a true believer. He has his hand on his heart when they're singing the Rescue Aid Society song, like he's all in. But then when it comes to I'm gonna go, oh, I can go through the zoo and deal with this lion, right? He can't do it. It can't be done. Okay. And he has to double back. So it's sort of this kind of, it's a moment where he's like, am I really, is this really what I can do? Can I really do this? And so I, he has to get to a whole, he goes through a series of three events of can I really, am I really, do I really have it? And he even says, maybe this is too much for two little mice. Maybe the, I don't know. Like, and okay. he has to voice all of that. Even before he gets on the albatross, right? Larry is like, you are putting your finger on something that's different about this movie, though, Larry. I feel like what you're hinting at is that it doesn't develop or like the conflict isn't there in a way that you necessarily expect it to be. Like, it's almost like a, uh, like, like a sentimental novel from like the 18, you know, it's like, it's almost yes. like a sen sentimentalism as opposed to, right? Like, it's setting it up in a, in a, way that's different from most movies we're used to, right? There's not a lot of, like, direct conflict going on. In a normal movie, we would introduce the idea of a zoo, but it would be like a Chekhov's gun sort of situation. We introduce this zoo that Bernard is afraid of, and then the third act, the climax, is going to be, oh no, they've brought Penny into the zoo, and Bernard has to go back to this place that he was afraid of to confront his fears. That is not this movie. 
Like, no, I, but he is really afraid of big animals. And so he, the fact that he takes on these two giant gators and wins is a big deal. I mean, it's not in the same space. But again, if you don't have that, if you don't have those moments of him being afraid and and wondering and can he do it, um, then it it loses something in the climax, I think. Well, and, he's, so, and he's always trying to push through. Like he tries to be brave always. And then he always needs a little bit of help. Right. Like, yeah. okay. So, yeah. So, so listener, just so you know, before we spoke about this, Andy and I have very different feelings about this movie. This is one of her favorites. And while I it don't is. hate this movie the way that, that I have perhaps uh, hated some of the others in the past, I don't feel as strongly for it as she does. We also came to the agreement that when we disagree, Andy must be right. Because this movie was a success. It's amazing. So what do I know? <laughs> but my point is that for me, this movie doesn't get going until they actually get to the swamp. Just like the Wizard of Oz doesn't really get going till we've arrived in Oz at our location. It is a lot of walking around. There are a lot of songs, and the point of the song is to point out they're walking. They're flying. They're going from one location to the, to another. They don't actually start rescuing. The mission doesn't get to... There's a lot of intel gathering. And look, there's nothing... Well, that's just intel gathering, but it's, will it's you... About are the they journey, going to get to the... Claire. Yeah, it's are they the going to get to the... Yes, are they going to get to the Devil's Bayou? I mean, if they can't get there, then... That's half the battle, right? And it's like, okay, well, how are we going to get to the airport? Ah, we'll get in Medusa's suitcase. Okay, okay, well, can I get in Medusa's suitcase? Can this happen? And I think again, when you're dealing with, you know, this this is a monumental task for these two tiny little mice. The police have given up, right? And so, how in the world are they going to get to where they need to be? And what's going to happen? Okay, and and I yeah. Will- if you let me have the last word on this, but I'll end with, you're right, I'm wrong. Okay? Because my point is, I'm seeing a lot of the things that the mice are doing that are the parts of my own life that I want to fast forward through. <laughs> I don't care how they walk down the street. I don't care what route they took if nothing happens along the route. I don't care about the flight if there's no stakes about the flight, I don't care if they ordered the kosher meal or if, you know, <laughs> uh, they had to sit, you know, next to a window. I don't care about any of that unless it's relevant to the story or in some way going to come back later. And that is the first 45 minutes of this movie is just getting them to the place where the movie is going to happen. But I am wrong, listener. I am wrong about this. The Rescuers was a big success and spawned sequels. It is a solid property. But what I like to think is when we go to Disney World and we're waiting on a line and that line is really, really long, we're having the Rescuers live action experience. Will we take two steps forward? Will we eventually get to go on our ride? That is the Rescuers experience. But again, but again, I'm wrong. I'm so they have to. We have to have them in relationship. We have to have Bernard and Bianca in some sort of relationship. Well, yes, part ha- of the, and this part, the very. Go ahead, Storm. Well, just Sorry. part of the fun of going to Disney World or Disneyland, Larry. Though, is like getting on the plane to go there and traveling to Orlando, and like it's the adventure of getting there. Is also but it's not part- the story that you tell when you get home. When they say, how was Disney World? You don't say, well, first things first, they checked our luggage. It depends on how bad and my weight And the weight of my suitcase <laughs> was over by a pound, so I had to open it. Like, I don't care about that. Get to the part where you're at Disney. You had to go through that. Bernard and Bianca have to do all these things to get there. I'm with you. But just like I never see how many times they go to the bathroom, I don't care what cross streets they cross. I'm with you, Andy. We need to establish a relationship between. Oh, come on, come on, come on. (laughs) Each of these, each of these points makes. Now, I will give you that when they meet Rufus, and there's no, there's no real conflict there between Rufus at the, and and it does get a little. um, It's a very seventies moment. 
It, well, it's also very law and order, you know, because Rufus ha- all of a sudden remembers this information. Yeah, right? yeah. that is but true. Here's, so, here's the thing so that happens. makes me crazy about the Rufus sequence is yeah. Rufus tells them a story and we see it in flashback of him having a conversation with Penny about how she's never going to be adopted. There is not one clue in that story that helps them go further. Two seconds later, when he's done with the flashback, and they're just sitting there, I guess, politely listening to this story about Rufus and Penny, which goes nowhere. Uh, Then Rufus says, oh, by the way, there were a couple of shady figures who were looking to try to get Penny. And we don't see that in flashback at all. I'm like, Rufus, start with that. Lead with the fact that there were a couple of people. Tell me the story of the night she was abducted. That's where the action is. Tell me about how Penny was kidnapped. Don't tell me about three weeks before she looked at the window and she was sad because she wasn't she wasn't adopted. That's not a clue, Rufus. This movie doesn't know where the story is. I think the biggest problem here, Larry, is that you're not a three year old girl. Okay, because a three year old girl loves every bit of this moment with Penny and learning about her and that she's not getting adopted and what's happening because we don't know who the little girl is. Who is that little girl that just put that in the bottle in there? We don't know. And that we're going to get more information about her as and we're going to get the important information to a child. The important information isn't this incredible action and where things go. The important information is who is Penny and what's her heart like? And, I and will this concede is, this movie was not written for a 45-year-old man. <laughs> right? This is where she gets the uh, uh, strength to get through the coming ordeal, right? This idea of keeping the faith is introduced from Rufus mm-hmm. here in this, sure. in this story. That's right. That's Sh- right. Sure. I'm just saying, you know, the Rescue Aid Society needs to train our interviewers a little bit better about directing the interview to the relevant parts of the investigation. But that wow. that is... That is, you know, professional development. And, you know, this is both Bernard and Bianca's first mission. Right? right. Let's not let's not let's not forget that. They they really sent in two rookies. They did not partner Bianca with older with a more experienced agent. They sent them both in completely untrained. Great. Um all right, I just gotta move us through plot so that we can we can get to where we need to go. So we we've gotten through inciting incident, we get to the swamp. Rising action is all of the events that happen in the swamp. The climax of the movie would therefore be the place where the greatest tension is. And at the time, as I'm watching the movie, there's one place where I'm like, oh, this sequence must be the climax. But then there's a second sequence, which I think is the actual climax. Do either of you want to identify what you think the climax of this movie is? I do think that the climax is that, like, there, like you're saying, there's two. There's this, like, finding the diamond sequence, and then there's like this, like, escape from the boat. But the the real peak of the action is there on the boat when, like, they've got a gun pointed at them. They have to escape. Their whole little their plan like takes shape that they they made, and so that that's the top of the the, the climax of the movie. I feel is that escape from the from the boat. So yeah. I- I, I Storm, I think you've exactly, exactly gotten it right. When I'm watching the sequence where they're in the cave looking for the devil's eye, that feels of, I really feel the tension in that scene. The stakes do feel life and death. The water is rising. Penny is on one side. She can't get to the diamond. She has to, she has to scurry across. That, that sequence is excellent. And it feels to me very much like, oh, we've been building to this moment the whole time. And in the moment, I'm like, this is the high point of the movie. But in fact, there's a confrontation with Medusa later on, which, of course, like it can't be the movie can't be Penny gives the diamond to Medusa and Medusa says, and you're free to go. Uh, Nice, nice knowing you, kid. Hope you hope you can uh, find your way back to civilization. It can't be that the the antagonist must be confronted. And that second sequence is the actual climax. But I think they do a good job of making that early action sequence feel important, feel Uh life or death, because very often in these movies, we don't feel that way till we get to the big climax. And the stakes feel very high the whole time they're there. Well, and I will say this again, going back to Bernard's journey, right? Sure. He is getting stretched 
a little more every time and a little more and a little more and a little more until he finally gets we get to the the black hole with the diamond in it and bernard's getting braver and braver and braver as things go on and so i think that's part of his his uh hero's journey so I, no arguments here i i think we're on the same page as as protagonist although we should talk about why someone might have a different answer sure uh just to wrap us up with plot, so we've got the climax, and then this movie gives us what a lot of Disney movies don't. It gives us a falling action. Mm-hmm. Uh, it that you know Bernard and Bianca have been successful. They've returned to the rescue aid society in triumph, and are being celebrated for what they've done. We see in the news that Penny has been adopted. Uh, she also thanks Bernard and Bianca on the air. And I guess her new adoptive parents aren't concerned about the fact that she talks to mice, but, but Hey, like, like that would be an awkward moment. Um, and, and we also see that Bernard, we see that Bernard and Bianca, that Bernard and Bianca are given the opportunity. Bernard doesn't have to go on another adventure. Now he did his mission. He could be done. But there are going to be more missions for them. This is this really does feel like it's launching a series of Bernard and Bianca adventures going forward. And that that maybe all of what we've seen is, in a way, exposition about them becoming heroes and going on to even greater adventures in the future. Is that is that fair, Andy? Yeah, I think so. And I think the resolution does this really neat job of taking Penny from the girl who drops the bottle in the water to the girl who sits with Rufus and talks to him about what she wants to the scene in um, on the riverboat where if you look carefully, there's a there's a poster that says mom and dad. Right. And then to the orphans who not only have kept her stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. They've kept her stuff for her. Um, they she, they're they're singing for her. And they're excited that she has a new a new family, and I love that move. I love that part, and it gets oh, me yeah, every me every time. Yeah, yes, gets absolutely. me by the throat. <laughs> All right, I have gotten us through the plot. All right, so let us uh, take it away, Andy. Lead us through the character. Yeah, let's talk about Bernard, um, voiced by Bob Newhart, who also does not like to fly. <laughs> so. Really Understandably, fun. considering considering the uh, way in which he has to fly. <laughs> oh, it's such a perfect, it's so, so perfect. Um, the voice of Bernard, I think, is done so well. Um, so, again, um, I think Bernard's a hard worker. I think he's a true believer in the Rescue Aid Society. But I think, again, he sees himself as support staff, right? Until Bianca says otherwise. Like, yeah, my big know, question with... Oh, no, Storm, please, after you. Well, I just... He doesn't see the... I think that's what's so nice about that scene when he gets chosen is he doesn't see the potential he has, but Miss Bianca sees it. And so he's the one clamoring up the bottle. He's the one getting in the... He's doing all this, like, hard stuff, but he's, like, nervous, afraid, superstitious, but all these other mice are sitting around and Bernard is like doing things like he's very capable and he doesn't really see it in himself, I think. So, yeah, and I will agree with you, uh, Andy, this is about Bernard growing into his courage to agree to a degree. This movie uh, is about that. Um, what I will say is while she's proven correct, I never see the moment wh- where Bianca realizes Bernard is the one she needs to take. Like, from we see the scene, she comes in, all the mice are instantly into her, right? Oh, like yeah. She, com- yeah. she commands their attention as they come in. When they're looking for volunteers, everybody wants to be on a mission with Miss Bianca. But I don't know what it is that she saw Bernard do or heard Bernard say that lets her know there's a hidden hero here that nobody else is seeing. Well, I think it's subtle, Larry, but I think Great. it's there. I think it's there. Like he um is she he's she's scanning the audience, right? 
and all these guys have their hands in the air and she picks the guy who's actually, you know, in the bottle. Yeah, I think that is what it, if you, if you watch it closely, I think that is what it is. Like she notices that he's the one that's capable of getting in the bottle and getting the note. Like he's the doer while the rest Mm -hmm. of them are just standing. I, I do feel like in that moment, she notices that that's the guy I would rather be there. And like, so, and, and he's sticking because up she's for also her. En- yeah, she's also enthusiastic, right? All those yeah. people are enthusiastic, but she needs Bernard to figure out the nuts and bolts of this operation and how they're going to get from point A to point B. That's interesting, because I feel like we're saying if we, if we adjusted this scene just a little bit uh, and we made it so we clearly saw none of the other mice were capable of opening the bottle, that Bernard's the one. It's not just that Bernard's the lowest man on the totem pole, but also the only one who could possibly have done it. Who well, he's could the only one who tries. The- he's, they all sit and watch him work. They they do. They do. that. But that would be some, like if we saw someone fail and Bernard succeeds, or like the leader of the mice was trying to open the bottle and Bernard very quietly comes to the rescue, right? Rescuer comes to the rescue and right. helps. I think we would see, a, see it a little bit less subtly. Um, and see it there. Alternatively, that we could see Bianca picking him as a as a sign of pity. Uh, that she she sees that Bernard needs to be rescued from the derision of the other mice. Like the president, the president is not particularly nice to Bernard, considering Bernard is doing all of the work. Well, that's it, right? I mean, there, there's a classist kind of moment here where you have. Somebody who's expected to do the work and somebody's and get his hands dirty while everybody looks around and watches watches it happen. And so Bianca's like, well, you guys aren't capable. I mean, you can legislate this, right? But you sure can't do the work. I want a guy who can do the work. I would also go with a third answer that's not in this movie, which is this is a movie that feels like it's on the dawning of feminism. A little bit. There's this moment where the president says, we've never sent a woman before, but I guess right. times are changing. Right. I would even be happy with a sequence in which uh, Bernard says to Bianca, why did you take me with you? And Bianca, Bianca's answer is, oh, because darling, all of the other mice would think they are in charge. Right. I would love that answer. I mean, that's that's another great answer. Sure. <laughs> uh, so so but but yes. Um, I I think this movie is about Bernard growing into his courage, although I think Bernard starts the movie very brave, and I think this movie suffers from a little bit of editing uh, that that hides one of Bernard's greatest acts of courage, which is when they're on the Albatross, when they're on Orville, and the fireworks knock Bianca off, we see her fall. Moments later, we see Bernard falling with the umbrella trying to get to her. Mm-hmm. I wish we saw the scene where Bernard jumps off the bird to her rescue. It's implied that that's what he did. It could also be he also fell off of Orville, but is is occupied on her. But I feel like we're cheated of this moment where instinct, like Bernard, who's been fearful this whole time, uh, sees Bianca falling and leaps off the albatross to rescue her without mm-hmm. even thinking about it. Right. I I think I think we get cheated of that moment in that sequence. I also think we get cheated of the moment with the lion. It's a sequence we sort of hear about. We see like the paw a little bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. We see him run, but uh, we don't actually see him like come face to face with the lion and run away. Yeah. I think I think you what you want is more uh, and what here's it's here is kind of subtle. It's uh, but subtle. yeah, but yeah, when 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 Bernard is falling and he's got Bianca and he's holding on to her, he takes an umbrella and he opens it up. And of course, as we know in Disney films, when you open an umbrella, people float to the ground until or, until just a few feet from the ground, and then the umbrella fails. Right, 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 right. Hey, right, in some because, rare instances in these movies, those umbrellas bring you up. Right? <laughs> I'm looking at you, Mary Poppins. That's, right. That's why I always That's carry right. an umbrella. Well, let's talk a little bit about Bianca with uh, Ava Gabor. Um, what do we think about her? I wish she was... I, I like that she... Look, for for 1979, she's a strong female character. Uh, for 2022, I wish she was stronger. Uh, I wish she was more firmly in charge. Um, I, she's, she's definitely 
she's using soft feminine power to yeah. to guide her and Bernard on this journey. She doesn't assume the authority that I think she rightfully has. She's just like, oh, but Bernard, darling, you know, uh, wouldn't it be so nice to travel by albatross? These things, you know, like she's very, she's very soft. She's using what works. Yeah, she I'm not, look, I'm not saying. She is using what works. She's not even my species. It would work on me, Andy. I'm not (laughs) saying that. And in 1977, or probably even 19, uh, 2021, I think it might, if she's in that situation and she needs to, women, for whatever reason, have to soft shoe things to get men to do what they want them to do, just how it is. So I think Bianca does a marvelous job well, at that. Because there is a lot of that where like Bernard's like, no, I got this. And then she just like lets him fail and then she bails him <laughs> out. Right. Like, right. but she's like, com- I feel like she's even almost like overly confident that there is not a problem. He, right. you know, like when he's going to fall in the hole when they're getting the diamond, he's like, no, 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 I'll go. And he's climbing across and he slips and falls and she just climbs over there and like pulls him up. Right. Like it's just. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's not okay. ever like I don't ever think she's gonna like is really in, in in those moments in danger. She's just calmly, you know, do you, got it do un- you, got it under control. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say something, and I'm not happy that I'm saying it. Okay, okay. So feel okay. free to come down on me hard for this. Do you feel that Miss Bianca is somewhat delusional and doesn't really recognize the world in which she lives, like Bernard? is very hypervigilant about danger. He's he's right. even, he's got triskaidekaphobia. He's afraid of the number 13. And so he's very quick to gauge danger at everything. But he's not wrong. Those alligators are, crocodiles, excuse me. Those crocodiles are a problem. Right. Normally, a cat is a problem for mice. It turns out he's not right here about Rufus. Uh, but Bianca, it, that, that flight with Orville, he's wrong to be scared about the latter, but he's not wrong to be scared about flying with Orville. When you read the instructions and it's like, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. I I mean, he's not wrong to be like, maybe I shouldn't be on this plane. Um, but I think Bianca never sees a problem, never really recognizes an obstacle. The moment she gets to Penny, she's like, let's get out of here. And Penny is the one who says, well, wait, if that wasn't, if that was so easy, I would have just left. What's your plan? And Bianca doesn't really have one in that moment. She's like, well, first step one is get dressed. And I don't think we ever get to step two. No, I, I think you're right. Like, at the at at the end of the movie, uh, Miss Bianca says something about adventure, thrills, and free travel, and that's like what it's all about, right? Like, um, and she doesn't like, even though there's horrible things happening, like this is very much feels like an adventure film, like it's about the thrills and the travel, and but never really like that much about the danger. But it is for Bernard, you're right. Like, but for Miss Bianca, she she never. She always seems like she has it under control. Like she's not ever worried about what's happening. In fact, she's enjoying the, the ride every 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 minute of the the way. I feel like so. Look, well, and that's she's a great driven parent. by her heart. She's driven by her heart, right? I think she's there. There are people that are driven by their hearts and people that are driven by their heads, and they need each other. Yep. Both of them need each other because if you don't have any heart, Bernard's not going to. He he's gonna he's gonna take a look at that albatross and be like, yeah, it's sad that kid's uh you know hurting down there, but I think I'm done right. And if if uh, Bianca, you know, if if Bernard, Bianca doesn't have Bernard, then she's just they're gonna sit there. She's gonna sit there in the devil's bayou and be like, I don't know how we're gonna get out. How are we gonna do this? I have no idea. And just sit there with Benny and Rot, right? It's, so it's they classic both need each other. Yeah, yeah, right? they both need each other. Bianca sure. elevates Bernard, inspires him, takes him to the loftier, makes him the best version of himself. But Bernard grounds Bianca and says, but we also have to be practical. You know, right. you can't just make it happen by wanting it to happen. And that that is what makes them a good pairing. And I think the pairing of the two of them is one of the strongest parts of this movie, is is the yeah. putting two two characters who are seemingly opposites together. Right. And equally powerless. Yes. 
And I think to a degree, we're supposed to contrast them, their partnership, with the partnership between Madame Medusa and Snoops. Yeah. That we're supposed to see those two relationships as as mirrors for each other. You're reading my notes again, Larry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. No, but let's that's talk how about we Ma- know you're right. If that's we right. both let's, say it. That's right. Then it has to be true. Yes. Let's talk about Madame Medusa. Um, she's willing, I mean, voiced by the great Geraldine Page. Um, she's willing to kidnap and exploit children to get her diamond. Um, <laughs> wow. And she believes, you know, I mean, this is kind of understated and she doesn't really say it, but... She kind of believes that no one will miss Penny and that we know the police have given up looking. So maybe nobody does. Yeah. Uh, right? the, the police have given up on this. Right. Um, so I'm going to throw out, I'm going to throw out Madame Medusa. The, first of all, my note was she feels like a low rent Cruella DeVille. And now I know exactly why that is. She was created using, you've, you've informed me on that. She definitely feels like a low rent Cruella DeVille. What what is in there's a couple of things about her that are interesting to me. One is that she feels like she's able to use love as a weapon, which Cruella DeVille does not do. Mm-hmm. She's like, if you, you earn a child's trust and then you twist the knife, right? Right. She calls right. herself anti-Medusa. She's trying to fool Penny. Her her first obstacle, her first option is to try to win people to their her side by pretending to love them. Uh, I definitely feel like that's what's going on between her and Snoops. Um, we don't spend we thankfully don't spend a lot of time on the romantic relationship that that may or may not have entangled the two of them together. And I'm grateful for that. But I definitely think that she has privately made promises of affection to him, which she has no intention of delivering on. And yet we also, I think, see her capable of some genuine affection to her crocodiles, uh, mm-hmm. Brutus and Nero, right? Like when she sees them, it, it, there's strains of Ursula going, my poopsies, to um, right. her two barracudas. Uh, so she, she's Which, just... by the way, when I saw Ursula, I went, oh, there's Madame Medusa. I right. Felt very similar. Yeah. 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 So, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I find her repulsive like Mm -hmm. if i ever end up on a disney villainous dating app where i'm looking for a disney villainous (laughs) to date and my options are i mean there are madame medusa's towards the bottom i will have a lovely evening with yzma and maybe maybe at the end we agree to just be friends but i think she's got some Uh. i think she's got some amazing stories to tell and uh, some social awareness i could get through that date, and it wouldn't be the worst experience of my life. I think if I spent five seconds with Madame Medusa at a oh, restaurant, I would be trying to <laughs> fake my own death. I'd be crawling out the window of the bathroom. She is so repulsive. Oh, she is, and, and which is all the more reason why we want her to... And, and again, the, her repulsiveness raises the stakes of this mission, Right. Because, again, we have two powerless mice with no police support, with no real anything, no real resources except for heart. And maybe, you know, I know how to use a a comb as a ladder uh, to help this little girl escape this very wicked, evil person who, again, is just um, exploitive. And, And really, there's this question that's happening in the 70s with kids in orphanages about, well, do we put them in foster homes? Do we put them in places where they actually feel like they have family or are they truly expendable? And there was this belief that, you know, kids are sort of expendable. And so I think Medusa's definitely embodied that and uh, sees, sees this as a means to her end. I want to throw out, did you get the sense there was anything supernatural about Madame Medusa? She has one line that really made me go, huh. When she did gets the ca- diamond? Yes, that's and, the and one. She, you know- and she says something about the power that it's going to give her? Yes. She says this diamond, she's like, you want to cut this diamond and sell it? This diamond has power for the person who possesses it. Yeah, I and wondered suddenly, about that. 
suddenly I'm going, is this actually a supernatural story? And my mind branched off a little bit, Andy, and and this is not my pitch for this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's never explained why Penny can talk to the other animals. It's not noted. Um, and it, I, I didn't even question it until we get to the very end of the movie. And she says, oh, I can talk to mice and Bernard and Bianca. And everybody looks at and when she says it to other human. I'm like, oh, yeah. Why can she do that? And I wonder if there's some draft of this script where Madame Medusa's relationships with her crocodiles indicates that she's got the same gift that Penny has, mm. that the diamond can only be found by someone with this gift to talk to animals, uh, but she's too big to go in and Penny's too small, and that in some way getting this diamond is going to enhance the nat- It would- it would- Look, it would make this movie less realistic than it already is. Right. But it would it would answer some questions. Why Penny? Why Medusa? Well, I think right? Penny talks to animals because she... I mean, let's talk about Penny. Um, sure. She, she talks to animals. She wonders where the police are, right? Um, but I think she talks to animals because she's pure in heart. She also uses... I mean, she also puts a voice to her teddy bear, right? Sure. She treats her bear like this bear really... And again, if you're a four, five, six-year-old girl, you get Penny. You're 100% down with Penny. You know I'm all down about with Penny, Penny and I'm a you are five year old man. And you might, I mean, you might start having your parents call you Penny for a short time. You know? Okay. You might, uh, one might. <laughs> that, sounds, that, sounds, that sounds very specific and makes me think that's definitely something that you've done. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it could happen. Sure. <laughs> And it wasn't just me. I mean, I knew a lot of girls who want, you know, who wanted to be Penny. So yeah, I mean, I think she's uh, she's got agency and she's trying to get out and she's using all of her resources, which are very, you know, Penny. Yeah, she's the, she's she's doing what she can. Penny is the best character in this movie for me. She really is. She really um, is. But the other thing I want to point out about Penny is. When the rescuers finally, when Bernard and Bianca finally get to her, Penny's the one with all the ideas. She's the one who's like, we can use Mr. Snoop's fireworks. Uh, I mm-hmm. want to drive the uh, swamp thing, the, whatever that, whatever that uh, vehicle is, the swamp boat. I want to drive the swamp boat out of here. She's actually been planning her escape. Uh, they're not the ones who come up with the idea. They, they allow her, they facilitate her plan. Right. She was not capable of pulling it off without them. But she's but really smart. Pen, maybe Penny never really needed them, but she, I mean, she never, maybe she just needed support to carry off her mission. She needed to not be alone. Right. And that support, I think, is what gets her going and although, keeps her going. Because she thinks, oh, where the, where's the police? Oh, it, there is no police. It's just That is two. the line that made me <laughs> laugh. When, when Penny says, so did you guys think about like, calling the police to rescue me. And I'm like, Bernard and Bianca, <laughs> you didn't even try that. This this is unnecessary. But Sent it's also po- very sweet because how could mice actually pick up the phone and call the police, right? Well, it does make you think that the, that the, they can't talk to anybody but Penny, like, right? That's right. Because That's right. The whole thing, the, there is a lot of that where it just goes back and forth. Like at the end when the anchor is like telling Penny, like you can talk to mice and then the mice like crack up about it. Like, right. And you're like, what do you, are, do you is this like some kind of fever dream? Like, did this happen really? Like, well, if um, you listen, maybe they would, <laughs> right. Like, maybe you could understand them if you just listen, but she really is um, the only one that seems to be able to talk to animals. Right. Like, right. And, right. It, and it's not, uh, and maybe she gets a special dis. Maybe maybe children who are in a really tough spot get a special dispensation to but, be able to to do that. But the animals do have that. signs and things that are in English that people mm-hmm. should be able to see. So I don't. <laughs> I know. Okay. So the part where you have to kind of check your brain on this movie is like, and um, is you know you're at the United Nations building. And imagine you're a janitor at the United Nations building and you're, you know, waxing the floor and all of a sudden you see this, you know, wee little awning with like a tiny little red carpet out and you just go, oh, 
I wonder what that is. Like, no one ever questions. <laughs> but that doesn't bother me so much because we have to concede that that's the magical, like, realism bit. Like, the things yeah. that we're seeing, we're only seeing because we have access to these characters. There's no air traffic controller who hasn't noticed the albatross hut with, with a sign that says, when the flights come off. Like, right. it's just not visible to them. Those Like, they don't look at the mice and think, why are these mice wearing clothes? Um, it's just, it's, you know... It, where, where, I that part doesn't bother me so much. I'm okay with that part, but I, and I'm a nitpicker. You know, I'm a nitpicker. <laughs> what do we think about the swamp characters? Um, Ellie Mae, Luke, Evan Rude. Evan Rude is the yeah, best. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, part of me wonders why they needed Bernard and Bianca to come. Since they clearly rescued Penny, clearly identified Penny as someone who was in danger, and definitely were capable of attempting a rescue before them. Uh, it's like Bernard and Bianca showing up, these two little mice that are smaller animals than the rest of them, a rabbit, an owl. Um, why did they need Bernard and Bianca to come? Like, why didn't like, they just do it themselves? Like somehow the, the action, the courage of these mice to do this thing is what enables everybody else to do what they already had the ability to do to to begin with, right? Like Because people hang in the status quo, and sometimes there is a catalyst that you go, oh, I could be doing something. I could do this. I want to throw out that I would prefer the version of this movie where this was about a young girl at an orphanage and her cat, Rufus, who's old as all get at. Get out. The cat sees his human kidnapped, and even though he's on his last life as far as cats go, he answers the call to action and goes on an incredible journey to go rescue her. Any of these animals could have done it. Uh, Bernard and Bianca don't have any particular connection to Penny other than they've read the note. And there are, like, this, this should be... Rufus's story, and I get that he's old. I get that, but but that doesn't that doesn't you mean stop. with Rufus functioning as sort of a narrator, as the protagonist, or the one who goes to the rescue aid society and says, "I'm too old to rescue the. I I'm humbling myself, going to the mice. I'm an mm -hmm. old cat, and I I I want you to remember that my great great ancestor, the lion or cousin or whatever, once had to bow to you, and now I find myself, Rufus, begging the mice for help because I love this little girl and I can't rescue her myself. Please do this. Mm. And that the that that is my issue with the side characters here. They don't get connected. The one character who's connected emotionally to Penny is sitting at home going, yeah, sad my little girl was abducted. What yeah, you gonna but I, do? Part of, that's a, part of that's the nature of a road movie, though, right? Is that you see these characters in sort of episodic ways. Um, but I think... I mean, or a detective story, right? We see people... Um, if you think about detective stories, yeah, we see people until we don't need to see them anymore. They're there to give us information to sort of push us along the arc. Sure. And if you want to take a law and order sort of lens to this, yeah. um, you know, I, I guess I guess we could. Right. Uh, special mouse unit. Uh, <laughs> SMU. <laughs> I, I, I can see that. I can see that approach. Um, but I think actually I'm starting to move us towards protagonist problems here a little bit. Sure. Andy, sure. Which is my main well, protagonist. Yeah, let's talk about it. Well, who is the protagonist of this? And 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 do we have competing protagonists? I think Bernard and Bianca are supposed to function as a protagonist, but since we're through seeing things through Bernard's eyes more than we're seeing them through Bianca's eyes, Bianca's a little bit more of a mystery to us. I think mm -hmm. he is the protagonist of this story, and I think you're right, Andy. He has more of a journey here than anyone else. But the, there are two big protagonist problems for me. And the first one is this. They are not emotionally connected. They, they have an emotional relationship between the two of them. They are not really emotionally invested in their story until they meet Penny. And like Bianca sees the letter and she goes, oh, that poor little girl. Um, but she has no idea who this little girl is who wrote this letter. Uh, like, she doesn't know her, has never met her, just sees that the girl can't spell worth beans. 
um, and send something into a bottle. All it says is I'm in trouble. It doesn't even specify what the trouble is. And for me, it's a protagonist problem for 101 Dalmatians, which you also love, Auntie. Mm -hmm. Those dogs, it's their puppies. Of course they're going on this rescue journey because the idea of not rescuing those puppies means an unbearable existence for the rest of their lives. And it is a protagonist problem for me that it doesn't have to be Bernard and Bianca who go on this journey. It could have been two other mice, and maybe they would have been just as successful. Um, They're they're just the two agents assigned to this mission. So maybe it's a shift in the dramatic questions, because at the beginning, the dramatic question seems to me to be more about, can Bernard and Bianca be rescuers? Because Bianca is a woman, and Bernard is kind of a low-class guy. He's mm-hmm. a janitor, right? And so, is do they have the clout that it takes? To, I mean, they didn't come here in somebody's zippered suitcase, right? They didn't come here on a... They came here uh, because they're here, and that's how they function, right? And Bianca is trying to stake her claim, and so is Bernard. But then, then when we meet Penny, the dramatic question shifts to, can... Uh, can can they actually rescue her before she's killed looking for the diamond? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Because, uh, get that, well, the whole time that, when you're speaking about that, Andy, it, it's really like that whole idea of like, what can two little mice do? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's the question really, right? Now, but I do agree with you, Larry, that it could generally be any two, I mean, it doesn't, it, maybe it couldn't be any two mice because maybe others would give up. Um, but it really seems like the the function of these two mice is to just be like they're going to do good in the world. They're going to go. It's their job, basically. Like the thing, they're it's their calling, is that they're going to move forward and they're going to be a force for good and they're going to rescue people. And it doesn't matter who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, like and so it's just the idea that like like I work for a nonprofit and like you know when like people who do that we're trying. To, I'm not trying to to say I'm doing good. I'm just saying there's just this idea that like, it is a job, but you're also trying to do something good in the world mm-hmm. and hoping that the result will be uh, that lives are changed for the better. Even if you don't know those people or what those results are, you just set out because it's the right thing to do. That's right. interesting. And it clarifies something for me, Storm, because what it crystallizes for me is what we're actually watching here is the story of Cinderella, but from the perspective of the fairy godmother, Mm -hmm. right? Like the fairy godmother, wherever she exists, hears about this poor Cinderella who's living with with people who are treating her like a slave um, and comes to the rescue uh, having we, instead of spending our time in, in Cinderella, we spend our time with Cinderella. So in that version of the rescuers, we'd be spending our time with Penny, and then the mice would arrive like fairy godmother style. Instead, we're with the fairy godparents mm-hmm. early till they arrive on the scene of the story. Mm-hmm. And so, I th- that 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 is clarifying to me. <laughs> um, so here, so here's the second problem. Whose enemy is Madame Medusa? Who is she the antagonist to? It's not the mice. It's Penny. Mm -hmm. She's Penny's enemy. Madame Medusa is not going to have a confrontation with Bernard and Bianca, where where Medusa looks at Bernard and Bianca and goes, you know, in a way, mice, you and I are very much alike. Uh, They're not going to have that Mr. Jones conversation from Raiders of the Lost Ark across each other from a cafe where they're feeling... Madame Medusa never really meets them other from, like, she sees a couple of mice, she goes, ah, mice, mice, uh, and, and gets up on a stool. She's Penny's enemy. Right. And Defeating if she, her if is she's, Penny's job, and the defeat of the antagonist is the job of the protagonist, not the fairy godmother. That's interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, I get I get what you're saying, but if Penny if Bernard is if his if the dramatic question is can they rescue Penny, they have to rescue Penny for some from something, and Penny has to have really they're empowering Penny to rescue herself. 
And and if the right. question is like, what can I do? I'm just a little kid, or what can right. we do against all this evil? That's right. Like, and, and what can two little mice do? Like, what can any of us do in the face of what's going on in the world? How do we grab our power? How do we use our power and 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 our cunning and our wit and our resources to overcome evil? Because I think that's what I think that's what Medusa represents. She, she represents all of the evil in the world. And again, they're rescuers, right? They have to rescue people from evil. And so the conflict is evil. Even if you never confront it straight on, you at least support people as they get themselves, uh, you know, away from it. And okay. Medusa and Snoops are choosing evil and uh, Miss Bianca and, and, uh, and Bernard are choosing evil good right like right that's, and that's the balance with penny in the middle yeah okay I, i'm i am fine with all of that i'm just saying this isn't a movie where i would say the protagonist function is vested perfectly in the characters that it needs to be vested in is that fair no no you're right yep. and a part of that is the yep, problem agree. again that i keep bringing up episode after episode is this omniscient pov it's this god's eye view when we know what's going on with penny and we know that the mice are on their way and we know everything that's happening it does kind of make it, it is kind of jarring because we don't really know whose story this is um and in a children's movie where the things are, you know, where the stakes are this high, I think this thing keeps things from get being scary because yes. kids are like, oh, this is what's happening. I know what's happening. And it, it really kind of brings a child into this to the idea of they're in because they know the secret and they know that this thing's about to happen. And I think that um, that element helps, I think, in a child's movie. But it does make the protagonist function a little fuzzy. That's one of the pitfalls, I think. Okay, cool. Very good. I didn't dislike this movie, Andy. It's just I don't love it. <laughs> you don't have to apologize that okay. you don't love I feel it. <laughs> like, I feel like the listener is like, Larry's the one who hates everything. And if you feel that way, listener, I beg of you, go back to last week's The Muppet Movie. This is not who I am. <laughs> I know. You really wanted to love it. and I that, did. I love that about you. That's great. All right. So, pitch time. Given the Rescuers and the sequel, which, by the way, was the first Disney sequel um, and first Disney animated sequel. There were other Disney sequels, uh, The Rescuers Down Under. What would we do with this franchise? What would we do with it, Storm? Well, you know, I was I was like, well, we have to raise the stakes. Like, should we get a bunch of kids and they're trapped in a mine or, you know, like, is there like a bigger evil thing? But I kept drifting back to wanting some sort of like Bernard and uh, Miss Bianca to have like they started like, like their own agency or they've got their own like, you know, private detective firm. They hang a shingle because, you know, they can't do the Rescue Aid Society. That can't be that's not like a full time job. Right. Like they're not. They're not always having. I feel like it's not. So, I I don't know. I was thinking. I was seeing them in like a version of the Thin Man, or like mm, um, I something, love that. Or so, you, do you know what I'm saying? Right? Like I, I don't love know what, what, that. Yes. Um. Or something along the lines of like romancing the stone. Maybe Miss Bianca has a sister, and her sister's in trouble somewhere. You know, oh, and who would voice the sister? I wonder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Larry? What you got? All right. Um, so I want to do the story of the first rescuer. Uh, we see the picture of the wall of Achilles, who's going to take the thorn out of the lion's paw. Mm-hmm. And you know me, I'm a big Greek mythology kind of guy. Uh, I wanted I want to tell the story of that mouse and I want him to go on a big mythological journey. Uh, I want him I, there's like a version of this where he's in the background of all the Hercules movies of, of Hercules the, the the animated movie and like it's Hercules 1.5 but I don't really want to do that but I do want to see like this mouse like may, maybe go to the Trojan War or maybe do the 12 labors of Hercules but he, it all begins his pro, he's propelled to heroism when he's the one who deals with the lion but here's the twist he always defeats his enemies by finding a way to love them. Mm. 
So from everybody else's perspective mm. is he beat the lion. He's the one who tamed that vicious lion. But all he did was pull the thorn out. In sort of a Mickey and the Taylor sort of situation, people think he's this brave hero who's like beating these monsters. But instead, he's talking to them. He's helping them. He's healing them. And right. I want that's my that's my pitch. Achilles, the first rex, rescuer. I think he was called Achilles, right? Euripides. Right. Euripides. 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 So much better. Because then you can then <laughs> guess. Then we can get like all of the Euripides jokes out of these. Like, you know, what happened to your pants, Euripides? No, that's my name. I didn't rip the pants. Yes, Euripides. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The prequel. Yes, we get the uh the origin story for the Rescue Aid Society. So, so my idea is that Penny is now an adult and she um has become a social worker and she finds the children of Bernard and Bianca to help support children in crisis. And we update some of these. There are, if I have criticism about the rescuers, it's kind of how we talk about uh, children in need of parents and services because it's a little dated. So I'd like to update that a little bit and make it, but keep that empowering kind of um, idea that children have the ability to, um, to find what they need to share it. I like it. I like it. I'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good people make good things happen. So thanks again, Storm for being here. We, we appreciate your work and uh, keep, keep us posted of what's going on at feed the children. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's awesome. Oh, Larry, what movie are we tackling next week? Next, next week, we're going back to, uh, we're going to 1979, I believe, mm-hmm. yes. and we're watching The Black Hole. Ooh. Yeah. That's a shift. <laughs> I, it, it It is a shift. It's a gravitational shift. <laughs> well, if you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And please check out our once upon a Disney Facebook page, you can tweet us at, at Andy Redwine or at Larry Brenner six, or you can drop us a line in our mailbag at once upon a Disney podcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. See you real soon. See you real soon.